Good evening. It is Monday, September 30th, 2019, and welcome back to season two. I know we got picked up for a second season of District 29's Political Action Committee podcast, District 29 Unpacked. I am your host and premier tonight, Adam Gibson. We're coming to you live from the heart of the government here at OSSTF's District 29. Say hello to my regular co-host, my personal Stephen Lecce, Chris Masterson. Why do you always insult me at the opening of every podcast? You insult me. Because I'm good at it. He spends most of his day herding children towards success, so he must be our Lisa Thompson. It's Jason Bremner. You're not the only one getting insulted. And uh, someone else we tried to invite into cabinet, but she refused. So she can only be, I guess, leader of the opposition. Oh, yes. I'm yeah. NTP all the way. Yeah, Andrea Horvath. Here to join us is Tara why did, France. Why, why, did, Tara, why did Tara get the plum uh, position, the one that I want? Why, I like did, I get, why did I get the education minister? I like her better than you. Well, that's a given. <laughs> <laughs> so we are back by popular demand for our second season. Uh, award aspiring season, I'll say. Hmm. Yeah, remember to access us via the podcast app on your Apple device and search for District 29 Unpack. Subscribe to the pod if you aren't already and make a friend do it too to help us out. Uh, remember, you can always email us with questions and comments. Uh, we are at d29pac at gmail.com and you can follow the District 29 Pack Twitter account at OSSTFD. Thank you in advance for tonight's generous sponsors who continue to keep the wheels turning around here. Tonight, uh, the gang and I are going to discuss some of the issues around bargaining uh, for OSSTF and the current position with QP, and we may get into a little federal election roundtable as well. Uh, later on at the end, Bayside Secondary School's Greg Stevens will stop by to talk about some fascinating research into different kinds of dirt. Um, but tonight, we begin with uh, last week's news from OSSTF President uh, Harvey Bischoff around um, bargaining strategy provincially and the presentation of our bargaining briefs publicly. So um, let me just ask you off the top, Chris, can you describe for the folks at home uh, what the strategy is around transparency and what it actually means? Yeah, I think the strategy is is simple. It's to make public uh, our contract uh, brief, our contract demands, if you will, and because we feel like they're not unreasonable to the members of the public. It's a chance to say, hey, you know what? Teachers aren't after the world. Uh, we just want uh, what's best for the system, what's best for the students, uh, and to maintain our our uh, ability to do our job the way we do it. And so I think it's a good strategy. It's one that's been used in the States uh, recently, and uh, Saskatchewan's been using it since the spring, the Saskatchewan Teachers okay. Federation, and I think it's a good, good strategy. And it's also good for the members because now the members – uh, have first-hand information of, of exactly what's in the brief. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I had always kind of wondered, and I'm kind of happy to know. Let me ask you this, Bremner. Uh, is it going to work? I can't answer that one, but uh, I would... All right, Tara. I, 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 <laughs> I'm just <teasing. laughs> I, I can I can surmise. And if it doesn't work, I'd be surprised. Because you're going to put a lot of pressure on government to follow the same kind of pathway. And once you see the other side of the bargaining, yeah. mm-hmm. we, we know from experience that what they want and what we want are not often in line. And their interests, I don't think, are always in the best interest of public education. Well, we're about to find in out. Equitable we are education. about to find out, I would say. 
I wanted to hit a couple of the highlights that are in our uh, bargaining brief that was made public. Uh, we can access it. I access it, access it through my email. We can also see it through um, OSSTF Provincial's website, bargainingforeducation.ca, which yeah. I checked out when I got the email right away. And I was yeah. thinking, oh, I wonder if this won't be very good. And then I was very pleasantly surprised that it was actually pretty good, full of really uh, interesting research uh, supporting our positions. Yeah. Um, and I thought it was really good. Research. Yeah, I mean, so, OSSTF's done their homework in terms of uh, having the financial um, research, as you said, yeah. backing up uh, what we're talking about. The educational research backs up uh, what we're asking for and, and really what we're asking for. The, the number one thing is to maintain staffing levels at the 18, 19 levels. Um, you know, and that's the, uh, from all accounts, the highest graduation rate we've ever had in this province at 87% with that 22.4 to one or yep. whatever, mm -hmm. I, I can't remember the exact ratio, but 22 to one ratio that those staffing levels have, have been success for our students. And, and that's all we're asking for is to, to keep staffing, uh, the way it has been. So this is not broken, but we're trying to fix it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, in a sense. Um, let me hear from you, Jay. Is there anything that you can highlight from the big, um, either the big complete brief that came out or perhaps a little four-page summary that you wanted to hit upon uh, to tell the people at home? I really like the idea of uh, making VLAP available for folks all over the place. It's yeah. uh, allowing people, if for those that don't know what that is, it's allowing people to sort of book a a day off ahead of time, a non-paid day off. Yeah. So you can factor it into your schedule, factor it into your pay over the whole kind of year. Yeah, you stretch that lost pay over the duration of the year yeah. so you so don't lose it. The, the number of people who look forward to booking a day off here and there just to have a break, break and get some work done at home if you want to or to just have good mental health. Yeah, I it's, agree. It's... Uh, it's something everybody could use, and, and it saves lots. And of it's money. Ki it's kind of unique to our district. I don't know the exact numbers, but not every district has this. No, and the position is to make this provincial. To make this uh, provincial. You want to so, save money, Doug? That's right. Here we <laughs> that's go. Right, that's right. right. I, I, Let me I don't give know you some of my money back. Yeah, I, I don't know why the school boards uh, fought against it in local bargaining around the province last time. Yeah. Uh, ours, I don't know if they fought against it, but they they acquiesced, and and we have it, and we're lucky there. The other big thing is the cost of living allowance. Um, you know, some would argue maybe we haven't kept up with cost of living the last yeah. few years, but it's been very close, if not. Um, and all we're asking for financially in here is just that we keep up with the cost of living so that, you know, five years from now or three years from now, whatever the term of the contract is, which I can't remember off the top of my head, I think it's maybe two or three years, that you're earning the same real dollars as yeah. you earn today. Mm -hmm. And I don't think the public will find that unreasonable. That's, that's, it makes, the, the other point that was offered here is that it makes negotiations so much easier. Like we're not coming in nickel and diamond. Right, 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 right. Is it 1.2%? Is it 1.4%? It's just yeah. done. There's a, right? form, there's we, a formula. Yeah. It's, it's in this, in this 60 some page uh, central ta table brief. It's in there and it's uh, pretty straightforward. Anything else you want to highlight? Uh, the only other thing that I would say that uh, is, is super important is the uh, a kind of uh, the situation where if a contract teacher were to be laid off, in terms of uh, you're talking reg 274 reg 274 stuff, 274 stuff. Yeah. basically all essentially what amounts to a, an attempt to eliminate that and if you're a contract teacher that's laid off that you would be first in line for lto seniority yeah. seniority matters yeah and that's in this brief but keep in mind all these things cost of living staffing level 274 VLAP, those are all our wish lists. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this isn't what's going to be in our contract necessarily. This is what we're asking. Yeah, and you for. aim high, right? You, well, I don't you think ask, well, you ask for, yeah, yeah I don't I think know it's even aiming high. It's but just, you ask for 
everything you possibly get and then yeah. see what's going to come. That was me like uh, when I was laid off from, where was I? Bayside at the time, probably five or six years ago. And the way Reg 274 was introduced, I was probably a five-year contract teacher and I went immediately to nothing. To nothing? Right? Oh. Not like I could get could you some even supply. Get on the list? Uh, I think I got on the supply list, but I couldn't apply for an LTO. Right. Right. So there were people who had rolled out a teacher's college, say, one year before me, now right. being LTOs. Here's a five year contract teacher yeah. with mm-hmm. NADA. And that was right? a big concern from the people that were, uh, you know, that were laid off at the time was, hey, yeah. it's not fair. And everyone I spoke to was like, yeah, that seems really dumb. Like, <laughs> yeah, it is dumb. Can we fix it? <laughs> well, it's good. It was complicated locally because, um, because we combine OT here in our yes, branch too, right? Course. And the, and the branch can't negotiate against the interests of one group. That's right. So like that's, that's fair game, but this is a provincial model. That has the issue. Right. Okay. Tara, give me one more highlight. Okay. So one thing that I noticed here is the parental leave, um, to have a supplementary employment benefits. Currently it was only allotted to birth mothers, um, right. to be topped up for the first eight weeks. Uh, what OSS TF is proposing is that that is available to, um, either parent yeah. um, and in, including adoptive parents. So just, you know, it's one of those things that um, will affect some of our members. It's just a move towards equity. and It kind of seems a little absurd to me that that wouldn't be it. Right? You know? It's yeah. one of those things that's like, really? Yeah. But, yeah. but I, I agree. If, if part of the brief in full is to make um, access to pay and benefits and working conditions equitable across the board, mm-hmm. that one seems like a no-brainer. And if we're making Absolutely. this we're making this public, I don't see how on earth you are you against that one. Right? Are you are you going to be the government that's yeah. against adoptive parents? Yeah. Like, yeah, no, yeah. they're just uh, draining on the system. Well, they're actually doing the opposite. So mm-hmm. maybe pony up. Chris, last I, one to I, you. Yeah, I just wanted to, to mention there are a couple things uh, related to OTs in here. One of them is uh, OSSTFS asking for a, a one-paid, one-day PD day paid for all yeah. OTs, uh, which I think is important. They need the professional development just like anyone. And then an attempt to bring equity pro- by providing benefits for all members, mm-hmm. but by asking the government to to put forward the, the funds needed to provide those benefits for every member. And I think that's important for our yeah. OTs here for sure. When I, I read through this list, and like the one you allude to, Tara, I think it's hard to argue against the list. And there's, like we started by saying, there's great value. They'll find presenting. a way. <laughs> there's great value in presenting this stuff publicly and saying, like, here's yeah. what we want. Who thinks it's crazy? And then kind of run mm-hmm. from there. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll be right back because uh, part of the bargaining brief was interested in support staff. Uh, we'll be back for our second segment and discussing QP issues right after this. Today's podcast is brought to you by the newest game from Hasbro. Where's Fordo? It's a five-month-long odyssey of fun for the whole family. Find the premier wherever he may be hiding. Queens Park? Nope. Reviewing his parliamentary history? Books are for nerds. If you want to find a laying low premier, check one place. The Federal Campaign Trail. And we're back. You guys still with us? Back in the saddle yeah. again. <laughs> Get that man a microphone. Well, welcome back to segment two. We want to talk a little bit today about the Canadian Union of Public Employees and the 55,000 of them uh, provincially who are now in a work-to-rule position. Uh, there are 
a wide variety of QP members in our schools. And I think all of us could attest to the incredible and important work that they do mm-hmm. uh, and the way in which, at least I found, they are typically the first to suffer when mm-hmm. things get tight, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's an easier cut. And I, I can't even, I was thinking about it today at lunch. I was trying to think if I could envision one EA in our school who's actually in a classroom. And I, so we, we have our, like our spec ed area yep. where there is, right? But there's not an EA out in a room in a standard classroom anywhere anymore because nope. there's only like five or six of them in the building, yeah. right? How many do you have so in total? Even? Um, it's five or less. Uh, yeah. That's center, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think we have five. Yeah. Yeah, we're not much bigger. Six so what I, what we want to do here uh, for you folks at home over the next little bit is just go through a variety of the roles which are in the schools and identify the things which the QP members uh, will not be doing under the work to rule um, instructions. CeeLo, can you talk for just a bit about uh, our position sure, during sure. Uh, their work to rule? Yeah, I think it's really important to, to state that we should not be doing anything that would uh, uh, not undermine. be supportive, undermine their, yeah. their cause. However, there is something to note, and that is that if administration asks you to specifically do something, you you need to do it. You must do it. Uh, But you definitely tell them you're doing it under protest and immediately contact uh, probably Scott or Michelle here at district office and let them know what you've been asked to do and how it contravenes, uh, you know, it's part of QP's work or it's part Mm -hmm. of QP's work to rule campaign and uh, and then let them handle it from there. But uh, you cannot say no. But don't volunteer to yeah. do anything that a QP member would normally And that's going to be tough. Like some of the things we'll read here are really important aspects of the school, mm-hmm. right? But we, we have to respect that there's power in the solidarity uh, and there's weakness in the fracturing For of, sure. of, of failing to do it, right? One, so One of the things our members have identified is that we want QP members, custodians, secretaries, EAs, etc., to uh, to maintain their positions and to have, we want more of them in our schools. Yes. It's so yes. vital to our 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 jobs that we we need them and the, and the members have identified that of OSSD. Their fight is our fight. That's right. Our fight is their exactly. Fight. Sure. Yeah, hundred percent. Okay. Can we just go around the table then? Uh, we've all got a <clears throat> list of I don't know what is these and these came from um, from some QP members locally at our school as well. So uh, we've got a list of like fifteen or sixteen, depending on the job that you have. There's a pretty lengthy laundry list of the things that the QP mm-hmm. member cannot do. Um, Tara, can we start with you? You've got the list for people who are in clerical positions, do, the yes. office staff. Just give me maybe two or three highlights of the things that they cannot be doing and uh, the potential effects. Okay, absolutely. So of this list of 17 things, um, kind of the highlights, uh, clerical workers do not collect, spend, or use any funds, including cash, purchasing cards, cash online, or provide support. Um, nor will they perform bank deposits or sign checks or perform check runs. They are not to do not input or copy progress or report cards. <laughs> yeah. Do not complete any reports for the Ministry of Education, school and or school board. So there's a couple obvious ones here. What's a budget secretary's day look like if she's or he is not collecting money, spending, mm-hmm. making deposits, running checks? Well, I mean, we had a chat at lunch today with, uh, with our budget secretary and what, like, what a mess. But honestly, like, that's that's really hard for them in that position. But the <clears throat> mess is kind of the point, right, <laughs> to, yeah, to, it, to yeah. send the message. Um, what other one did you see, Simone? Oh, the progress 
report cards. Like, I, I have, have some real questions on this because yeah. this is because we're I, about I, to do them. You guys are probably <laughs> earlier. I bet we're always later, right? Yeah. So who? Prints them? Who did? Oh, they probably weren't, they weren't in the position yet, though, were they? Because so, it just started well, today. it started today. So we had to have our early progress reports finished um, today. But what we noticed at the end of the day, they were still unlocked. So I'm not sure. Interesting. I'm not sure what mm. next steps will be. Custodians and caretakers, CeeLo? Yeah, but just before I get to that, one sure. of the things I think people need to keep in mind is these are extras. Yeah. Um, so, yes. so what yeah. what what QP is saying is that this isn't part of what they should be doing in their that's normal right. job. They're not funded for that, yeah. and that's really the key. So it's like we had um, we had a deal. I agreed to do certain work, and you agreed yes. me to pay, to pay me for that work. Right. I have done extra, and now yes. I would like you to pay me for the jobs that you expect right. me to do, that's but right. not pay for. Fun, at least fund the schools so that you know it's funded for this work, which basically means we need more QP members in our schools. Which I think we are. How about the custodians? So custodians, uh, three things that they have fifteen things on their phase one instructions of work to rule. Um, one of them is do not complete the ground maintenance, including grass cutting, shoveling, et cetera, <laughs> oh uh, because they're not, they're not funded. They're funded on square footage of classroom space. Yep. Yep. Um, so th there's no funding for that. They don't get staffing for that. Uh, do not, <laughs> this is one that will affect some of our teachers. Do not unlock interior doors for staff who, who have been supplied their own keys. So if you, if you lock your keys somewhere, you lose your key, you leave it at home, don't come to the custodian looking for them to unlock your classroom. And then the other one is uh, um, no cleaning of ministry unfunded areas such as hallways, office areas, and gymnasiums. Right. Wow. Uh, so uh, one of the questions that's come up is about student safety. If you're coaching a sport Certainly. or running a a gym, you know, you, you, should I sweep the gym floor because it is about safety? And that's uh, that's the question. I don't know the answer. Um, it is a delicate one, but that's a question. It's that's a great example of it already. Sorry, it's a great example of a tough one to say no to. Right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. When you're worried about the kids, right. we have that going as well. Yeah. Okay. How about the IT guys, brother? Oh, the it. IT guys, the unsung heroes of uh, keeping your day running. Uh, Sixteen items on their list. And one that stands out, do not complete repairs or assist with personal devices. So <laughs> you're not going to be helping anybody's laptop. Okay. And for us, one of the things that's a big impact, get detailed requests for work in writing. All work requires a ticket. And so yes. for our members, that yes. means, hey, don't ask anybody, hey, can you just look at this since yeah, you're right. here right now? That should be happening anyway because it's their, that's how they base whether they need it's those IT people, yeah. IT people or not. So I encourage all our members to do that anyway, even if it's not work to roll. Fill in the, the ticket. That's a really good point. That's attached to a second item that says only complete work orders received from supervisors. Get detailed daily requests for work in writing so do those requests go That's up the ladder and then back down the line? i would bet the central system is probably whoever supervises the central intake for all of those oh, it wow. requests is oh, going okay. to have to be distributing jobs for people to do okay and the last one do not conduct any investigations on behalf of the employer i.e electronic surveillance oh, the video cameras and well probably too. the students too who are yeah search well, history yeah students who are doing some naughty things on their computers no so don't don't, don't, search, tell them don't don't search them out <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah, last one is uh, is my list and i've got uh the educational assistants, uh, CDA and PSWs. There's a couple here that I want to seize upon. One that I can see is going to be a problem for schools, uh, especially for our most vulnerable kids, 
is the question of participation in nutrition programs, food for learning, breakfast or lunch program, shopping, preparing, serving the food. Incredible, right? Mm -hmm. How important that service is, uh, but it is unpaid work, right? This is work that they've been doing forever and ever mm -hmm. uh, out of the goodness of their hearts, but it has not been recognized uh, reciprocally by their employer. The other one I want to hit upon is, I'm not sure, I know at CHSS it's the, the case, I'm not sure about Centennial, but uh, I know very often uh, schools will have an EA run a resource room, right? And we know that there's supposed to be a teacher in that room uh, and there never is. So the EAs end up essentially as de facto teachers doing the work of the teacher at not the teacher pay. Right, collecting attendance, attendance, all those things. Attendance is explicitly on this list of things they're not doing as well. So, uh, item seven here: do not allow any class to proceed unless a teacher is present. No completion of student attendance. That again is going to throw a real monkey wrench uh, into the way um, our schools function, and for kids that really need it too. So, it's it's really hard. It's, it's going to be hard for them. It will be hard for us if it comes to it, but we have to be diligent. And if it creates a mess, then maybe that's the mess that moves the needle a bit mm -hmm. that gets uh, some protection from them. Well for Anyone sure. else? Last words? It's important on a staff to talk to your QP members in your yeah, schools sure. and say, you know, how best can we support you? What yeah, are the things that you need, you need a lot of help with? How can we make it easier for you to do what you're doing? Yeah, a lot of people are going around today saying like, what can I do? Can I do this? Can I not do that? And that's fine. I yeah. think that's totally reasonable. That's what you should be. Doing. That's what I was going to say. Ask, ask your QP members what, you know, what, yeah. what, because we didn't even go through all the other QP staff. Oh my gosh. Our no, schools. There's, there's uh, four or five, six other positions yeah. that are covered under QP and just ask. Okay. Well, when we come back, we're going to change gears a little bit from local issues to national issues with a federal election roundtable. Today's podcast is brought to you by the new Congressional Home Impeachment Kits. Get rid of any poor decision you've made through a simple 10-step process. Whisk away unruly children, unflattering photos, or ungainly cankles with their new Congressional Home Impeachment Kits. Take them all again on the past three years. It's constitutional. All right, welcome back for our third segment. Chris, you are our official musical director. You should probably tell people oh, what to yeah. listen to, eh? Florence and the Machine, the dog days are over. Florence and the Machine. I thought it was Two great because, you know, the dog days of August of summer are over and we're back to school, so. I, I love summer. I want it piping hot oh. all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I want summer, not just because of the weather. <laughs> we're moving to uh, our third segment here where we want to have a bit of a free-flowing uh, roundtable in the federal election. But first... Uh, a couple caveats. One is at this point, for the next X number of minutes, we are speaking as individuals and not representative of District 29's Political Action Committee, nor Scott Marshall, nor his lawyers. <laughs> Don't hold it against anyone. <laughs> We're speaking uh, on our own. I want to give uh, like a personal caveat. I want to talk some local stuff a little later, but um, our local candidate, Neil Ellis, is a member of uh, my extended family uh, on my wife's side. Um, and so... I've got a horse in this race, yeah. uh, so okay. to speak. So let's. Yeah, we let's, won't. We won't try to insult Uncle Neil too much. <laughs> that's my Uncle Neil. All right. Um, 
let's just start at the start. Given today's um, latest poll tracker, and I've got the CBCs in front of us, uh, I'm looking at conservatives uh, nationally pulling at around just under 40%, liberals pulling at 33.5%, NDP just under 14%, the Greens holding strong at 10.6%, and the projections from the CBC's uh, Canada Votes 2019 interactive poll tracker uh, have a pretty wide range of possibilities at this point, mm-hmm. I would say, uh, with a decent uh, 36% probability as of right now of the Liberals winning a majority. But the um, the range of potential outcomes is big. Like they have at the bottom end, at least 103 seats at the most 219. Like that's uh, that's a chasm. I think so. It's, it's super hard to say right yeah, now. I what think the think? national numbers are misleading though, because the Tories are doing so well in Alberta and Saskatchewan and well, even Manitoba, but, but, but Alberta and Saskatchewan in particular upwards, I think in Alberta, of like close to 80%. I saw uh, 60. In okay. Alberta Cause last time I saw, last one I saw a few days ago, I had them at 74 or something like that in Alberta, sure. some, some crazy number. So those national poll numbers will be skewed. It's not going to, relate directly to ridings and, yeah, and seats, uh, yeah. <laughs> which is uh, important because Trudeau didn't follow through on his promise of, of uh, electoral reform. And so we're still under our first past the post system. And um, that's a real, pro- real problem as far as I can tell. See, that makes me, that, that made a lot of people unhappy when, yeah. when that happened. But as the NDP just uh, announced publicly that they would not hold a referendum on the issue, they would implement it. Just done. Matter yeah. of business, we're elected. This is going through. And uh, if it was a minority government, they would still fight for it in the minority government. And if you recall, in the, going into the last federal election, the Liberals were the third place party. And of course, they were going to say we support electoral reform. They didn't specify proportional representation, yeah. but they did say electoral reform. But then when they won the majority, all of a sudden it's like, whoa, <laughs> we don't need to do that. The last number I saw, even in the Conservative Party, even there, it was 66% in really? favor of proportional representation. It's just democratic. It's more democratic. It just is. The, the principle of democracy uh, should mean that we have a system that you get the number of seats depending on the percentage of the of the population. Yeah. Tara, you want you want to talk? Absolutely. Well, I'm I mean, I'm very a strong believer in NDP and I will Me too. probably always vote. I mean, listening to um, the leaders um, during this election campaign, Jagmeet Singh, he's the only person that's making any sense to me personally. <laughs> no offense to your uncle Neil. <laughs> but uh, but uh, you know just some of the I just find myself nodding in agreement anytime mm-hmm. I, I listen to a town hall or, or things that he's saying I'm like yeah that makes sense yeah. it, it you know their platform my person my personal disclaimer is that I was a candidate in 1997 for the federal NDP um, so I've been a lifelong NDP uh, I I will admit this last federal election I voted for Uncle Neil. For the first time in my life, I did not vote NDP uh, to get Harper out. I will not do that again, (laughs) Uh, only because, uh, you know, I I hear so many people in the workplace who believe in the things that are in the NDP platform. Like they actually, they they believe in it. You talk to them, they they stand for $15 minimum wage. They believe in in childcare. They believe in pharmacare and all those types of things. Yet they still are talking about voting for the Liberals. And uh, I try to convince them that, you know, if, of all you people who felt that way, actually yeah. just voted for the party that you really wanted, then it would be a different scenario. Um, and so that's my plug for the NDP. Locally, uh, the numbers uh, 
a little. And I would say the numbers in general are hard to pin down right now because we're For still sure. a good three weeks out. Mm. Polls are uh, inconsistent. And the ones, well, I shouldn't say they're inconsistent. They're, they're reasonably consistent. But the ones that I'm seeing, especially the local ones, have really wide variations in range. So um, 338canada.com is a little uh, site, actually a pretty big site, that tracks mm. um, polling. Uh, and we'll even do it <coughs> by riding. So uh, locally, their projection for the popular vote uh, in the Bay Equity region as of September 29th has Alice at just under 45%, uh, Tim Durkin at just over 32 and the NDP running at about 11 and a half. However, uh, Alice is at just under 45, but plus or minus seven and a half percent. That's a big, big that's a big what, swing. What about, our, what about our neighboring ridings where our other, where some of our members might well, have now access you've to asked, Now you've asked me for information yeah. on a page that I don't currently have open. So oh, why don't you just okay. riff for a second while I get that <laughs> Can you do that? Can, can you do that? No, just take, a, just take a deep breath like you always do. It. Wow. A shout out to all of the young voters who are 37% yeah. of the, the voting in right. this election. And 100%. if they could just please understand that Canada has more than two parties. Yes. That would just, you know, like you were saying, there's so many people that, I feel like I'm really plugging the NDP too, but <laughs> there's so many people that agree with the platform. Like, come on. There are more than two choices here, people. Give it doesn't a, have to be worse but, and a little bit less worse. From my, from my personal perspective, one of the things I hate hearing about is that when people talk about, oh, I like that that person, or I, yes. I, I like that guy. I, I hear that a lot. And I'm thinking, well, first of all, you don't probably don't know them. Mm -hmm. um, even the leaders, like, oh, I, I like Trudeau, or I like Sheer, I don't like whoever. Uh, why vote that way? Why yeah, not right. actually do the research? JIC here on his computer has got up the po uh, platforms of the different parties on childcare, carbon tax, uh, uh, climate change, everything. Why not actually do a little bit of research? It's hard. Read yeah. and figure out which party you read? actually believe Reading. In. Yeah, you're just talking crazy. Can <laughs> someone just read it for me? Uh, you asked about uh, local districts. So yeah. this is Bossio's districts, Hastings, mm -hmm. Lenning, and Addington. Uh, currently has the Conservatives polling at 38.5 and the Liberals at 36.4. However, both of those are within a 7.5% range. So like... <laughs> Uh, so toss, toss up, or it could be like we come to election day and it could be a smoke show. Haven't right? you noticed though, the last uh, the last number of elections provincially, Alberta, I think, and not the last provincial election, the one before in the states, polling seems to be very inaccurate these days. And I don't know what's happening, but but polling, I, I don't rely on polls anymore. In fact, I personally would like to see polls banned during the election campaign. To me, oh. it, to me, it creates, I think back to even Bob Ray as an NDP or getting elected on Ontario. He got elected because the polls started to show him increase and then the yeah, media got behind it and said, oh, there's momentum for Bob Ray. And it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Sure. I think during once the writ is dropped, I believe that polling should be, should public polling, media reporting on polling should be out. It and then people can actually make a, a informed decision rather than just going on who they think is going to win. Jay? Well, Eric, it's uh, Eric Grenier, I think, that does mm -hmm. the CBC poll tracker. Yep. And I think he also does the website you're using right now. I think they hired him to oh, work CBC for elections. And honestly, of all the, the polling that's done, it's a gigantic aggregate on both of those yep. sites. Yeah. And the problem is you get wide ranges because you have different interest groups creating their own polls, polling in particular regions. So when you have big gaps like 7%, 
what you're looking at is a lot of sort of disparate bullets. Especially in the local ones, right? Where the where the numbers are a little smaller yeah. and it's a little harder Called 40 to go through. It, it changes yeah. it changes the nature of the of the discussion of our politics to towards the uh, the horse race sports analogy, mm -hmm. uh, war analogy, competition part of it. And, media and, loves and, yeah, and demeans um, the policy, policy issues that, that really matter to people when it's just like, look who this person takes the lead and then right. coming from yeah. behind. But everyone likes to back a winner, right? You like to back a winner. So if the polls are showing someone's getting a big uh, push and a big increase, uh, then people tend to, to do that. They want to support the winner. And actually locally, people like to make sure that their person they elect is part of the government because then you might actually yeah. have some local power and local influence. Well, people, people do that based on election signs. I've heard people say, oh, oh, I yeah. voted for so-and-so because I saw more signs for them. Yeah, so meanwhile, people, just, oh, meanwhile yeah. people just put up signs wherever the hell they want. <laughs> All right, Tara, I'm going to give the last word to you. Oh, vote. that's a lot of pressure. Yeah, obviously <laughs> vote. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, we have, what, three weeks left, you said? If yeah. Pierre Poutine oh calls, gosh. just don't take that call if he texts you. Yeah. If uh, what's Who's the girl from the conservative party? That, you know, they have that text, that automated text issue. Oh, you, no, you, you haven't got one? I have oh, got some automated yeah. texts, but... Definitely got uh, actually, I got a I got a call too, and I just said, "Don't ever call me again." Uh, for the <laughs> but yeah, I can't remember. Well, on that note, <laughs> let's end there. Uh, we'll be right back with a quick op-ed from Jason Bremner, and then we are signing off on the first episode of season two. Today's podcast is brought to you by Ford's Magical Fun Kit. Get ready for Xmas with the Premier's favorite tricks and sleight of hand. Learn how to make 10,000 teachers disappear without losing a single job. With Ford's Magic Fun Kit, the tricks are on the kids. It's easy to be nervous when you don't know how things are going to turn out. Fearing the unknown is perfectly normal. Educators have been here before. The weeks and months leading up to a conflict begin to wear on people, but we manage. We look to our leaders for information and then for guidance, and then for leadership when the things get hard. How do we as members best help in this time before things are more defined? Easy. First, you must pay attention. Keep informed as best you can. Talk about the issues with your colleagues so you know where everyone is and what's happening. Second, be conscious of the other groups in our workplace. QP is already in a job action, and we need to be ready and able to support them as well. Third, be strong and confident in ourselves. We must help and support each other. We think that we, that we do is important. By just being there, it's, it's, it's more than that. We, we must check in with each other. We must think of more than ourselves. Everyone looks okay. That's easy to say. But we need to go a step further and check in, share the experience and share the difficulties and stand together. There's no nice way through any time of turmoil, but the best path is always the one we travel together and the best companions on that trail are the ones that share common purpose. Let us not think of our separate interests. These words are the foundation of OSSTF and the foundation of any union or federation. Separated or apathetic, will be divided and weak. Together, we're strong and truly united, and we are at our very best.
This week's podcast is brought to you by the Ontario Conservative Party Spa Escape. Enjoy a five-month hot tub with Premier Ford. Slip over to the silent area with all of those who tend to hold a conscience. And then bellyache about teachers taking the summer off with a five-month tour at Blue Lagoon Day Spa. Well, thank you for coming back and listening in. I hope you're excited for season two. We have uh, no plans ready yet for what we're going to do this season. But when we have plans, they're going to be very good plans. Yeah, I can confirm yeah. that for sure. Thank you for listening. And our apologies to Greg Stevens. We had to bump him for time, but we'll make sure we get back to him on our next episode to talk about all the exciting things in dirt. Uh, a reminder to follow us on Twitter at OSSTFD and that you can always email us at d29pac at gmail.com with your feedback. Give us an iTunes subscription and press your colleagues to get engaged now too. Thank you for listening and ensure you continue to support your QP colleagues. As we said before, their fight is our fight too. Thanks for listening. You'll hear from us again in late October. Yeah. So happy Turkey. How many, how many listens do we have season one? Season one. We set the record for seasons by us. Listens. <laughs> Total listens by us in a single season, 453. Okay, we, we need to double that in season two. Okay. That's our Well, goal. you're going to have to do a lot of the work because I think probably 50 of the listens were you. <laughs> Not me. You. No. I listened to each episode one time. Greg Stevens listened to a lot. <laughs> He'd only show up one of these times. <laughs> anyway, we'll get you out of here once more with Florence and the machine. The dog days are gone. But school's back, and so is District 29 unpacked. Bye-bye.